Good morning to you all. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here at Ignite. And as our kids are making their way to their classes to learn about Jesus and how uh, have an encounter with him and go out and impact the world, we're going to be doing the same thing in here as we open up God's word. Before we begin, um, there's a few things that I want to draw your attention to. Uh, number one, uh, January 26th, uh, we'll be having our annual meeting as a church. So you're going to hear about where we've been in 2019, what God has done, and also where God is calling us for. For 2020. We're really excited about it. Um, few things uh, about that. One, it's at Calvary Village Green, so it's just down the road. Uh, Calvary's been gracious enough to open up their space for us. Um, it's at 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, there is a meal to follow. Uh, the meal uh, will be mostly gluten-free. And so if you're like, oh man, we're going to be eating cardboard, um, I'm going to let you know that it's Swedish meatballs, okay? So it's not like it's, not like it's bad gluten-free, right? And in fact, the meatballs uh, will be purchased uh, through Tastefully Simple, cooked on a uh, Pampered Chef pizza oven, infused with doTERRA lavender essential oils, and uh, with a uh, beautiful glaze, uh, surrounded by uh, one of the jewelry stores. Um, it's going to be great. Did I miss anybody? Did I miss anybody? We're going to follow it up with a shake from, uh, right? So... Um, so that's what we're going to be having. So, um, but, but, um, the annual meeting is a chance, um, for us, um, to, uh, to, to renew our membership as well. Um, Ignite has an interesting way of doing membership. It's actually an annual membership that needs to be renewed. Um, and so uh, it, it's, it helps us just reaffirm what it is that we're going to and what we're moving forward. And if we're still, if God's still calling us in this place for this time. And so um, you can renew your membership. You can become a member um, at that time as well. And, and the important thing about membership is really this, because I think some people freak out about membership. But what membership really is, is it's saying, you can count on me and I can count on you. Um, we are going to be moving forward into some really exciting things uh, this next year and in the years to come. And it's really uh, helpful and important we can move there faster if we commit to one another. And we actually just say, you can count on me and I can count on you. And so that's why our membership, in a, in a, in a nutshell, really exists uh, for that. So we can help become more like Jesus and make a bigger impact in the world around us. Um, we are going to dive in at this time into um, our second week into this section of Matthew. We've been, we've been making our way through the book of Matthew. And Matthew uh, was a disciple of Jesus who, uh, this is his eyewitness account um, of this, of his life, of Jesus' life. And uh, it's broken up into sections. Um, and so one through four was a section, five through seven was a, a section, and then we took a break uh, for Christmas, and now we're in chapters eight and nine. And last week we saw how uh, in chapters eight and nine, it's all about the kingdom and how the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven comes without distinction. It, uh, the kingdom of heaven comes to all people and classes and colors and shapes and sizes. And last week we saw how the kingdom, Jesus had healed uh, someone with leprosy. Uh, these people were considered untouchable, um, and, and also uh, uh, cured a centurion's servant. So he was interacting with someone who wasn't Jewish to show that the kingdom really is coming for everyone. And what we saw both with the centurion and with the leper is that, is that what we need to uh, receive the kingdom of God is humility. 
to come to Jesus in humility, to recognize that he is a king and we are not, that, that he's there to save us and we can't save ourselves. And so it is the humility that really ushers us in. Now, these are big deals, right? Leprosy, um, the, the centurion's servant had paralysis and was suffering terribly. Leprosy, paralysis, those are big things. Those are big things that Jesus healed. But I want to I wanna talk to you today because maybe you're in here today and you've never suffered um, leprosy. And maybe you've never had um, uh, paralysis of any kind. Maybe you're like, okay, those are, those are big deals. But what about my life? And what about what goes on? And does Jesus care about everything? And, and so the, really, the thing that I want you to know is this, is that today you can cast all your cares on Jesus, for he cares for you. You can cast all your cares on Jesus, for he cares for you. We're going to see that he's, that he's going to do things, big cares and little cares, that you can cast all your cares on Jesus, for he cares for you. That's, that's a paraphrase from the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Um, when I was in college, um, when I went to class, um, I... Uh, <laughs> somewhat true. Um, but I had, a, I had a class where I, uh, I had to read a book by a Jewish psychiatrist by the name of Viktor Frankl. And Victor, um, Victor was a psychologist, psychiatrist, and he um, actually survived the Holocaust, lived through the horrors of the Holocaust, came out on the other side. Um, and then after his experiences in the Holocaust, wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Um, and, and really just a powerful book about the importance of purpose and meaning, but also just some of his, some of his experiences in the concentration camps. And, 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 uh, and so he says, as a, as a psychiatrist, people come to him because they have problems, right? They, wanna, they want some healing. And so they'll come to them and they start sharing their problems. They'll start sharing things with him. And, and in the middle of it, invariably, most of them will stop and go, yeah, but I guess, I guess my problems aren't that bad. I mean, I didn't, I didn't go through what you went through. And so they tried to explain away their own hurt and their own pain because they're like, well, it's not as bad as, right? It's not as bad as being in a concentration camp. It's not as bad as this. And so they try to talk themselves out of the fact that they shouldn't feel bad because they're hurting. Because they went to someone who had hurt more than them. And Victor says, this, he said, listen, suffering, suffering is like a gas. And that if you release a gas into a room, it's going to fill the space. And he said, all suffering is like a gas, and it will fill up totally the room that it's in. The only difference with suffering is its intensity, right? It might be more thick, or it might be more thin, but the reality is, is it is real. Suffering is real. And, and what he would say is, you know, for the junior high student that just got dumped by her boyfriend, and for the person who just got the cancer diagnosis... Both of those things are real. They're both suffering in that moment. And the question is, how are we going to deal with it? How are we going to deal with suffering? Because what happens is, is if you think that somebody's suffering just a little bit, you're like, oh, but people have it more worse, they have it way worse off than you. More worse? Uh, uh, they have it much worsest than you. <laughs> right? Somebody's got it way, way, way worse than you. So why are you complaining? You should be grateful. Now, I am all about gratitude, and we should be grateful, but we also have to address the suffering that's in the room. And if you don't address it, then, then, it, then a small thing becomes a big thing. 
And what happens is, is this, is this, and this is what happens with us, especially in the Midwest. We have something go wrong. We, we suffer something or we're struggling with something and we go, well, I should probably pray about it. I should probably bring it to Jesus. Yeah, but you know what? He's really busy. He's got stuff going on. This is just a small thing. I can handle this myself. I'm not going to bother the God of the universe with my little bitty problems. And we turn away from God in that moment and we think, I can handle this myself. It's just a little thing. God doesn't care about the little things. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. That God cares about things big and small. Cast all your cares on Jesus, for he cares for you. That's what we're going to be talking about today, the big things and the small things. And so we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, starting in verse 14 and 15, um, as we see Jesus taking care of some small things. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. Peter is a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to come to your house. Let's, let's go there. And when they enter the house, they find Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. Okay? Um, uh, Peter was taking care of his mother-in-law. This was very common in these days that multiple generations living in the same home. There was no nursing homes. There were no assisted livings. There was daughter's house or son's house, right? And so, and so uh, mother-in-law is going and staying with Peter. They walk into the house and here's, here's Peter's mother-in-law with a fever. When you become a follower of Jesus... When you give your life to Jesus, I want you to know this. Jesus cares about all aspects of your life. All aspects of your life. Not just the spiritual ones, okay? Not the ones that you would consider spiritual anyways. You're like, okay, Jesus really cares about uh, whether or not I'm listening to Christian music in the car. Jesus really cares about me or he's paying attention to me when I'm singing. Jesus really cares about me when I'm praying or reading the Bible. But the rest of the time, Jesus doesn't care about me. And that's a lie. Jesus cares about all areas of your life. He cares about your job. He cares about your home. He cares about your leisure. He cares about your dating life. He cares about your kids. He even cares about your in-laws. Right? By the way, I don't know the relationship between Peter and his mother-in-law. It doesn't say anything. But you know he's getting points as this goes along, right? I mean, first off, they're staying in his house, you know, like comes in and he, she gets to stay there. So right there. And then he brings his boss in and he heals her. I mean, that's cool. Like, that's awesome. He's definitely in the will, right? You know, <laughs> but here, here Jesus shows how much he cares about all of Peter's life, including his relationships with other people including his in-laws. And his mother-in-law had a fever, okay? It's not leprosy. It's not paralysis. It's a fever, okay? Just a little more cowbell, she'll be fine, right? Like, there's this fever that she's got. But it's not a major thing. And Jesus comes, touches her hand, and heals her. 
I think it's really amazing that Jesus, once again, we see Jesus touching someone, touching her hand. How sweet. I think, I think this really gives us a good picture of why I love going through the book of Matthew. It gives us a, a three-dimensional look at Jesus. We're going to see a range of emotions. We're going to see a range of how he interacts with people. So often we have this 2D uh, picture of Jesus, right? It's a, usually a painting that we saw maybe in a church that we were growing up with. That he's always looking up into the sky and looking very serene on his face and petting a lamb, right? Like, like that's how we picture Jesus all the time. He's got great hair, right? Like it's all of it. But now we get to see this picture of Jesus in more three-dimensional that he's showing compassion and tenderness to an older woman who's suffering with a fever. And he touches her hand. We saw him touch the leper as well. We live in a day and age and in a culture where human touch is a touchy subject, right? Like, you don't want to do anything. And unfortunately, it's because so many people have abused and used touch inappropriately that now we just don't want to touch anybody because we don't want to be accused of anything. We don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. There's all these different things, but the power of touch is incredible. And I think so often, so many of us are missing out on some healing because no one has touched us. Um, My wife and I, uh, we've had a, 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 a great marriage, but not without some severe trials. And um, one of which is that we have what we consider three miscarriages. Okay, so we've had two biological miscarriages, and then we had a failed adoption. So we count that as a. And we went through all the same stuff. Um, and we we had a miscarriage before our son and before our daughter, and then we've we've had a failed adoption. And so um, the first time. Natalie miscarried. We had never been pregnant before. We were really excited. And then all of a sudden, Natalie started feeling a lot of pain. And we went to the doctor. And we're like, what's wrong? And, and then he, you know, just really awful things. And then the doctor came and said, um, I'm sorry, but you've lost the baby. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure. And then he did something that I will never forget. The doctor reached out, put his hand on my shoulder, and just said, I'm so sorry. I will never forget that touch. That was the first time a doctor had ever shown me compassion. I've never been around a doctor when I was suffering so, uh, in certain ways, and so that was new to me, that he would actually reach out, put his hand on my shoulder, and touch me. There's healing in touch. And Jesus touched this woman. Does it surprise you that God wants to touch and be near the suffering? I think we have this picture that God is aloof and God is far off. And yet what we see is that God wants to be near the brokenhearted. And God wants to reach out and touch But it also is interesting, too, with this healing touch that not only the fever left her, but her strength came back immediately. This was like, some ways, a double healing, right? The the, the fever leaves, and the strength returns. You ever recovered from a fever? 
You ever had a fever, right? And the next day, like the fever's gone, but you felt like you got hit like a, by a bus and you're wearing the same clothes that you wore in 2008. You just couldn't get them off, right? You know, like you're just, and you smell terrible and you walk out and you're like, I feel so much better, right? Like you're not bouncing around. You're like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go for a jog right now. I just, and the fever just left me, right? But here what we see is that the, the woman, the fe- not only the fever left her, but her strength was brought back to her right in that moment. And what does she do? She gets up and she serves Jesus. A healing touch from Jesus turns our attention back on him. I don't know if you've ever been restored by Jesus, but the amazing thing is, is we want to turn our hearts and our affections back to him. She didn't serve him because she had to. She served him because she wanted to. And what's interesting is when you have an encounter with God and he meets you in a place, our response often is worship. Worship through giving, worship through serving, worship through singing. And here is no different. But here's a small thing like a fever. It's not leprosy. And yet Jesus cares about the week-to-week sicknesses and ailments as well. Which then led to some bigger things. Verse 16 That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. On a scale of things, fever and demon possession, right? Probably more demon demon oppression up, up here, right? First off, we need to understand this. There's real darkness in the world. There's spiritual darkness in the world. And to ignore it is to put your head in the sand. There are things at play in this world that aren't just sin, that aren't just illness, that aren't just brokenness, but evil. Evil things at work. And sometimes... They will harass someone and they will oppress someone or they will possess someone. But I want you to know this because this is often what we do. We think that Jesus misdiagnosed, right? Or the the, the people in the Bible. Well, it was just a mental illness, but it wasn't like everybody says it was a demon back then. But what really it was was depression. Or what it really was, was schizophrenia. Or what it really, it was a mental illness. It was, they didn't understand back then about, you know, what we understand now. So it really wasn't demons at work. Here's the thing. Jesus is God. And he's smarter than you. And he understands when is something a physical ailment and when something else is at play. It may manifest itself in different ways, but there's, there's sometimes that the root is spiritual evil. And Jesus knows the difference. Jesus knows the difference between what is common sickness and just living in a broken world and what is the activity of demons. In fact, there was this time when, when there was a blind man and Jesus healed him and his disciples were like, yeah, why was he blind? Was it his sin or was it his parents' sin? What, de- what evil was at play when he, why, why he was blind? And Jesus was like, there, there wasn't. He was just blind and I healed him. Not everything gets attributed to demonic activity, 
And yet some things do, and Jesus knows the difference. And demonic activity, uh, demons are fallen angels who have rebelled against God, who serve their master to go and steal, kill, and destroy. Demonic activity wants to torment and abuse and harass people. When someone says they have their own personal demons, we say that as a figure of speech, but I go, eh. There's some things at play there. And they brought him to Jesus. And Jesus cast them out with a word. You know, sometimes it's really good to get a touch of encouragement. Sometimes touch is really important. And sometimes a word of authority is exactly what you need. And Jesus knows exactly what to apply and when. I think it's amazing. Sometimes it's a tender touch. Sometimes it's an authoritative word. And when they walked up, when they brought people to him, and they go, this person's oppressed. He's like, yeah, I know. Get out. And they did. And suddenly the cloud lifted and the darkness lifted and someone was healed. And Jesus could stand there and go, out, out, out. Authoritative words that Jesus commands. And even the darkness, his enemy has to obey him. That's how powerful he is. That Demonic activity flees in the presence of Jesus. And he would heal all who were sick. We see the difference, right? There's a sickness and there's a demonic activity. There's other things at play and things going on. And Jesus healed all who were sick who were brought to him. There was nothing that stumped Jesus. There was nothing that was like... We're going to need a second opinion. Right? Or there's nothing to be like, oh, nothing I can do. People were brought to Jesus. He would give a healing touch to some. He would give an authoritative word to others. And everyone, everyone encountered God that day. Those are big things. And Jesus cares about little things. And I want to share with you some encouraging things. Verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Why did Jesus do this? Many reasons, but one of which was to fulfill a prophecy. Now in section chapters 1 through 4, the first section of Matthew, we saw about how Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecies, that he is the king. Like he's the one that we've been waiting for. And again, we see this again. He goes, this was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah spoke. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. This uh, prophecy is from Isaiah chapter 53. In 53, we actually discussed over the Christmas season as we went through our Messiah series where we talked about how Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one of God. Isaiah 53 is one of those big hallmark prophecies. There's, there's many throughout the scriptures, hundreds throughout the scriptures. And the, in the middle of all these hundred ones, there's kind of big ones that stick out, these big hallmarks. And one of them is Isaiah 53. And on a personal note, 
um, Isaiah 53 changed my life. This is one of the, this is one of the scriptures for me. This was, this was huge for me when I was in my late teens, early twenties, and I was wrestling through some things and do I trust God in some things and how I'm going to do this and whatnot. I was a believer, but an immature one. And, and, and Isaiah 53 was one of those things that solidified my faith. It was a turning point for me. And here's why. It was written six centuries before Jesus would walk the earth. And it describes Jesus in unbelievable, vivid detail. Talks about how his back would be striped, how he, by his wounds, we would be healed. And all of us, like sheep, had gone astray. And like a shear before, a sheep before a shear is silent. He gave no word. We, we get to see all these different things that around the Easter season, we see all these things being fulfilled that Jesus didn't address his accusers and he, and he kept his mouth silent and he went to the slaughter for us. And by his wounds, we are healed. And I remember going 600 years before Jesus was born, uh, this was in place. And I'm like, man. I serve a big God. And if he can do that, I can trust him with my life. That was, that was a real moment for me. It wasn't overly emotional either. It was kind of strange. It was just a, just a, a thought, like a, yep, I'm going to trust him. If he can do that, I can trust him with my life. And why would Jesus, think about this for a second. This was to fulfill the prophecy that was spoken in Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. God said, when I send the Savior of the world, when I send my son, here's some description. He gave prophecies throughout all the Old Testament. And one of which is, and he's going to take your sicknesses upon himself. He's going to take your diseases and take care of them. Why would that be one of them? You ever sit, stop and think about like, why would, Jesus, why would God choose that as a hallmark? Because he could have done anything, right? Could have been, and he's going to be eight feet tall and carry a sword, right? He's going to have piercing blue eyes. He, you know... He's going to say these things. He's going to overthrow governments. He's going to rule with an iron scepter. He's going to, he's going to challenge the status quo. There's, there's all these different things that they said. And when Messiah comes, he's going to do these things. But one of them is he's going to heal people. And he's going to take upon himself the weight of your suffering. Let that sink in. God desires and intentionally sends the second person of the triune Godhead, Jesus, to come to this earth to take the weight of your suffering. What does that tell you about God? He could have done anything. And here's the reality. He didn't have to heal anybody. And he still would have been totally just. He didn't have to save anybody. And still, 
would have been totally just. But what we see is a side of God that maybe you haven't considered or maybe you have been afraid to consider. That he's the God of healing. And that he's the God of power. And that he is the God who cares. He's the God who cares about what you're going through in life. He's the God of healing. He brings restorative, and and not just like physical healing, but think about the discouragement that a chronic illness can be. He heals us emotionally. He heals us spiritually. He heals us mentally. And as we walk with him and, and we understand what it means to be a part of his kingdom and a child of his, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we become like him. And the fruit of his life gets produced in our life because of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. And that he's the God of power. That darkness cannot remain in the presence of Jesus. And he's the God who cares. He's the God who cares about what you're going through. He's the God that cares about your struggles. He's the God who cares about what you tell yourself as you spiral down and down and down and down and down feeling the weight of a condemnation that you've put on yourself or been harassed by dark forces. Demonic activity. Oppressing. And Jesus says, there is no condemnation in me. You don't walk around and have to tell yourself how awful of a person you are. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Someone once told me that a follower of Jesus should never walk with a swagger, like boasting in ourselves, like somehow we're amazing. But that a follower of Jesus shouldn't walk with a limp either. Can we just walk with God? Because when we walk with God, sometimes we just forget ourselves and we can just walk with him. And for those who are sick, Jesus has come for. And God is systematically bringing about the end of the influence of Satan in this world. The kingdom of God continues to advance. People continue to give their lives to Jesus. Jesus is the alive, ruling, and reigning king of the world. And as we as a church go out and share the good news of Jesus, other people can be healed and restored to the king. Cast all your cares on Jesus, for he cares for you. This book is, or this verse is found in 1 Peter. The guy who wrote the book 
is the guy whose mother-in-law was healed. I think that's pretty awesome. Cast all your cares on Jesus. The word cast there, by the way, it has a, a connotation of throwing, okay? So throw all your cares on Jesus. Don't, don't tepidly come to Jesus and go, well, okay, I can empty my pockets and kind of I got this one, this one, but I'll hold on to this one for later because I know you're busy, right? We'll just set them here. Don't do that. Also, don't cast them on Jesus with a string on them so you can pull them back so you can dwell on them some more. Don't do that. But I'm going to be honest, I'm preaching to myself in that moment. Don't do that. Every time it rears its ugly head, every care that you have, everything that you have going on, cast it all on Jesus. Throw it all on Jesus. Throw it all on him. He's big enough to handle it. Throw it all. He's strong enough to take it. It's what he wants to do. Get that. It's what he wants you to do. He says, throw them on me. Throw all your cares on me. You're like, well, prom's coming up. I don't know if that's kind of weird to kind of throw that. Throw it on him. Let him determine what he's going to do with it. Right? My daughter's wedding's coming up. It's going to be kind of expensive, and I don't want to do anything. Throw it on him. I say really awful things when people cut me off in traffic, but I throw it on him. Someone was talking about me at work. Throw it on him. Someone said something really foolish on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> throw it on him. I'm really angry about this. Throw it on him. I'm really sad about this. Throw it on him. I'm really worried and anxious about this. Throw it on him. Throw all of your cares on him. He wants you to do it. Why? And this is the kicker. Because he cares about you. Think about that. God wants you to tell him all of your stuff. All your baggage. All of it. And he says, just throw it on me. Have you ever had someone you care about come to you with something? And they like pre-qualify everything with six you know, stanzas before they're going to tell you what it is? You're like, dude, just tell me. Right? Just tell me. Just tell me. You and I, I care about you. I know you're Just tell me. Jesus cares about every aspect of your life. And he wants you to tell him about it. One of the things that I've started doing, or started doing, and then it got really cold, um, was in the morning I would take walks with Jesus. And I'd just go for a walk. And I'd just bring it all to Jesus. I got this coming up today. Here's my schedule. I got this lunch meeting. I got this. You know, what do I do about this? How do I handle this? I shouldn't have done this way. Can you forgive me for this? All of it. And my steps got lighter and lighter. Every thing that I threw on Jesus. Throw all of your cares on Jesus for he cares for you. Every week at Ignite, we have 
some amazing people who volunteer their time because they're passionate about prayer. And every week they stand down here and they wait. And they wait for people to come. And they want to pray with you. And they want to pray for you. And they want to pray over you. And it's not that they are super Christians and that somehow God is concentrated in this area. Okay, I want you to know that. Like we have dead spots around the area, but this is really God here, right? Should motivate you to sit down closer to the front. But, um, but every week we have people, and sometimes people come down for prayer and sometimes people don't. But we have a lot of people in this room and it's impossible to think that nobody is suffering at all in any way, shape, or form in this moment. And some of you came in with some real heavy things. And some of you came in with little things. Throw it all on Jesus. We have people down here who would love to just pray for you. So today, don't talk yourself out of it. Okay, don't like, you know, I want to be prayed for, but I've gone down there so many times. So what? Throw it all on Jesus. Or oh, there's too many people down there. We'll figure that out. You just come on down. Or I don't know if that's big enough to bring to Jesus. It's all big enough to bring to Jesus. Throw it all on Jesus. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to sing a song in a moment. We're going to receive our offering. And that's the people are going to be down here for prayer after the service. And if you need some today, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray with you. And let's together bring your cares to Jesus. Okay? Let's pray.